Well, welcome back to Principles with Corey and Logan. And guys, we've got another awesome, awesome episode. We've got a great guest, Luis Scott. He is a respected attorney and consultant. And y'all, I'm excited about uh, you guys getting to hear his story, but also some of the things that I know we're going to talk into uh, because he's he's an owner of a business owner. He's got an uh, uh, injury law firm, eight-figure firm consulting. Uh, he helps uh, legal professionals optimize and grow their practices. But he's also an author, and he's got a couple of books that are coming out that I know that are going to be great. And super excited um, to hear about his journey of leadership and life. And and I know he's got a lot of experience that's really going to help us as we, we look into growing and developing ourselves. So, Luis... Welcome to Principles with Corey and Logan. Thanks, Corey. I appreciate it. I'm glad to be on. Yeah. Well, you and I, I was I was reading a little bit about you and you and I were talking a little bit before and I, I'm really excited about what all you've got going on. You've got a lot of things that you're doing making an impact and uh, that's what you're doing now. But I, I, w- I would love to hear a little bit about your journey. Like, how did you get from wherever you were to where you are now. Can you take us on that journey? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's uh, the, the word journey is a big one because it is a journey. And the funny thing about the journey is that you never actually know when the journey is going to turn in your favor. And many times the journey takes you all over the place before you realize where you're going. And so that was kind of my story. I started off wanting to be a professional baseball player. I'm from Puerto Rico. I played second base. I had the pedigree. My dad was a professional baseball player. He never went to the show, but he played double A ball. So I thought I had it, had speed, but I kept getting injured and injured and injured. And I realized I needed to go in another direction. And when I was little, my dad used to say, you're going to be a comedian or you're going to be a lawyer. And so I didn't see a clear career path for comedian. So I decided I wanted to be be a lawyer. But like many of us, we all deal with like this imposter syndrome. And so I didn't think that I was smart enough to be a lawyer. I didn't think that I was, you know, I I couldn't read as much as I needed to, that I had the, you know, the background for it. Maybe my grades weren't good enough. Uh, but one day I met a judge. That judge told me that I could do it. And he invited me to do uh, an internship with him. That completely changed my life. So that and a mentor of mine in my early 20s, they, they just told me, you know, leaders are readers. You got to read. You got to better yourself. You got to grow yourself. You got to educate yourself. You know, the keys of wealth are in a book. And I started to really subscribe for that. And I did something that I teach people to do now, which is the 52 and 52 week challenge where you read 52 books in 52 weeks. Now, I know people think that's crazy, but I believe that that created the the greatest level of discipline that I could have ever imagined in my life. It required me to get up at five o'clock in the morning to read. It required me to read at night. And that started developing my kind of like endurance and perseverance muscle. So that journey, all of that started kind of coming together. I went to work for a law firm. I ended up becoming the managing partner, then started my firm, joined another firm. And and here we are today. Um, I have a law firm with almost 200 employees in a consulting business that is currently uh, consulting about a hundred law firms around the country. And so, but it all started with that, with that long process of believing in myself. And that's what really got me here. Wow. Dude. Um, that's really powerful. Me and you've kind of got a very similar story. I thought I was going to be a professional baseball player, <laughs> uh, but dealt with the imposter syndrome as well. And uh, I even, I didn't even show up for my own tryout because I thought the catcher that team already had was way better than me. Oh man. And, uh, and, and that's an interesting thing. And, uh, uh, what you said, I was curious for you, I know you said you went and you talked to the, the lawyer went and intern there, but was there something like a turning point that's like, you know what, 
I, I see myself in a different light. Was there some kind of moment there? Not not necessarily in the uh, internship, but as I as I began to progress, because the internship between the time I did the internship and the time I actually went to law school was about five years. And that's what you know, I talk about that journey being very elongated. Like I didn't immediately go. I, I finally believed I could go. But then there was still a lot of work that I had to do internally uh, because imposter syndrome is one of those things where it doesn't just go away because you snap your fingers or because someone tells you that they believe in you. You have to develop like this internal mental fortitude to get over whatever's whatever's creating the barrier in your in your mindset. And so it still took me a couple of years. Um, and in fact, I didn't even go to law school right out of undergrad. I waited two years before I actually went to law school, just trying to figure out was I good enough? Was I smart enough? Uh, was this something that I was going to be able to do? Because one thing I didn't want to do is I didn't want to fail. And yeah. so many times we we just don't do anything because we don't want to fail, not realizing that not doing anything is actually a failure within itself. Yeah, man, that's powerful. And I, I, you may or may not have an answer to this. I was just kind of curious. Oh, wait. I mean, what do you think, where do you think that comes from? Like that imposter syndrome, like that root of that, you, you got any thoughts on that? Like, <laughs> yeah, uh, re recently I actually heard uh, someone explain imposter syndrome and, and they said that uh, whenever you reach a new level, you are an imposter. You've never been there before. You're walking into a room that you don't belong in until you've developed the mindset that you belong, the connections that you belong, you will feel like an imposter. And then when you go into the next level, you feel like an imposter. And I felt that way. When I, when I first became uh, a legal assistant, I felt like I, I didn't belong there. I was learning new. When I became a lawyer, I don't belong in that room. There's lawyers that have been here 25 years. When I built a successful business, I don't belong here. I, you know, I, I remember my very first VIP experience at like a baseball game. I was like, oh my gosh, there's so many people here who are successful and, and rich and money and this. And I was like, I don't belong here. But now that I go all the time, it's like, no, I, I, I actually belong here, right? So it's like, you have to get comfortable with the room before you eliminate the imposter syndrome. And until then, you're always going to feel like an imposter. But here's the good news. You're going to feel like an imposter even when you elevate. That's yeah. awesome. Just just get to the point where you belong in that new level and everything changes. You know, that, that's a really powerful point. So kind of the way you, you said it right there is, I mean, each time you elevate, you in a new room and you are an imposter and you can either succumb to those feelings or you can grow. Right. And, and I like yeah. that grow and, and become part of the community. So it's a new yeah. community. Every time you up level, you're in a new community, become part of the community and you'll no longer feel like an imposter. Wow. That's powerful, man. Mm -hmm. I, I like that. That's good stuff. Well, uh, a couple of other things you're talking about the 52 and 52 challenge. I like that. And is there, was, was there a book or a specific book that was kind of turning point for you or one that you continually recommend? That that I that a book that I really like is the Four Agreements, and it talks about one specific agreement is the one that I really focus on. If you only read the book just for this one agreement, it's to take nothing personally. So often we take things that people say personally, not realizing they're just projecting what's inside of them. They're projecting their insecurities. They're projecting their imposter syndrome. They're projecting their day. They're projecting their you know bad morning. They woke up on the wrong side of the bed. They didn't get to eat their breakfast. They have to go to a job that they don't like, and then you know you may get too close to them in a car and then they project and then they have road rage. It's not about you. It's not about you. And once you realize it's not about you and you don't take things personally and you're not offended by everything, you become a superpower. You become superhuman when you do that. And what I love is I can walk into any room and anything that someone says to me, I don't take it personally because I know it's not about me. It's about them. And so that agreement right there 
it, it really makes me superhuman in, in some sense. And so adopting that is, is really powerful. Wow. That, man, that's really good too. Um, I, I actually read a book. It's just a few months ago now. This is more of a faith-based book, but it kind of says the same thing. The, the name of the book is called The Bait of Satan, right? Okay. And, and yeah. in there it says, here's what the bait of Satan is, is offense, being mm. offended. Yes. And uh, man, that, that's, that goes hand in hand with what you're saying right there. Like, don't walk Absolutely. around with offense, right? <laughs> if you're offended, you become power powerless. You don't, yeah. there's no power in being offended everywhere. You're just angry. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. And I'm really curious too. You um, and you, so you get into law, mm-hmm. and you start start becoming a managing partner. And how did you how did you scale your business? Do you have any like uh, so? A lot of people who listen, they're they're either entrepreneurs or they're kind of thinking about towing that line. And uh, many times, entrepreneurs they start out they have mm-hmm. they're pretty much they own a job is what they have. Right. right. And, and so right. they're looking to scale in any, any mm-hmm. kind of advice or anything like that for entrepreneurs looking. To yes, scale. absolutely. So I, part of a lot of the reading that I did is I started incorporating different things that I learned and I decided to uh, essentially synthesize that and encapsulate it in a book. It's an ebook that I wrote called the nine principles of exponential growth. Uh, the eight figure firm, but I think it's applicable to anything. In fact, I helped a friend of mine uh, just uh, grow his media company to to seven figures for the first time ever using these same principles. But essentially, the way you scale your business is you got to think of your business into in a four part uh, process. And and the first two parts are the most important parts, which is the marketing, the creating of the awareness of your product and your business. And the second one is your sales. If you can do those two things, everything will take care of itself. But so many people, so many entrepreneurs are so scared to market or they don't feel like they have the money to market. And so they're not used to grassroots. So they never get their name out. And awareness is is gold. I think Alex Hormozzi said recently that attention is oil. So people need to get their name out there. The more you get your name out there, the more people know you. And then you can move to the next level, which is no like, and trust. So the more people know you, the more you can get people to like you, the more you get people to like you, the more they trust you, the more they trust you, the more likely it is that they are to buy your product. But it all starts with marketing. Then we move into sales. Got to have a great sales team who is getting people to actually pay you for that service. And then from there, you go into production, whether it's it's a product or a service or you're baking cakes, whatever it is, but you got to get people to know you first. You got to get people to like, you got to get people to trust you. Then you got to sell them on the, on the idea and the concept. And if you do that, uh, that's how you scale your business. But uh, the nine principles of exponential growth go through a process of, of preparing your business. Uh, when I launched Eight Figure Firm in June of 2020, so we're talking about two years and 10 months ago, I had no clients. I had no reputation. No one ever even knew who, my name as it related to a consultant. They knew me as a lawyer, but not as a consultant. And the first thing that I did was I wrote out my vision, my mission, my core values, a business plan, a budget, and a marketing plan. First thing I did right out the gate. Didn't have anything. And in that plan, I wrote out how I'm going to grow a million dollar business. Day one, didn't have anything. Did not have anything. Just wrote it out. And so many people go, I don't need to do that. I don't have any business. And I, I would I would reject that and tell them, until you do that, you're not going to have a business. And so the secret to scale is pre-planning, focusing on marketing and sales, and then everything else takes care of itself. Yeah, man, that, that that's a lot of gold that you just shared right there, man. That is really, really good stuff. And uh, you talk about awareness. It's hard for somebody to uh, pay you for your products or service that they don't know you exist, right? Of course. So getting your name out there. 
Yeah. I mean, if, if nobody knows you, there's no way they can hire you. And so I wanted to get my name out there. And we live in a world of, uh, of the best economic climate to become successful because of this social media. And we started pumping ads. I was posting five times a day. I was posting everything about me being a, a, a consultant. I was posting videos. I think if you go on, on YouTube, I've posted over 400 videos um, on social media several thousand videos on every platform, Facebook, LinkedIn, um, and uh, Instagram. And I'm just posting, posting, posting. And then I'm using the money that I'm earning to boost everything. And it's leading to leads. So it's creating leads. Leads then because they know and like me, they trust me because they've seen me. Now I can convert them. And we've taken that business in two years and 10 months and gone from zero. We'll do 10 million in revenue this year. So I'm really excited about that. Come on. Wow. And, and, and one more time, when did you launch that? I just want you to uh, say June, June of 2020, June of 2020. Yeah. We'll do, we'll do uh, something uh, going on yeah. in 2022, right? <laughs> That's right. In the middle of the pandemic. So, which is one of the reasons that I wanted to capitalize on that because I saw an opportunity to consult people um, through zoom. And I knew people would be receptive to it because everything was going to zoom. So I said, this is my moment. And I went out and did it. Let's go. Yeah. So you saw the opportunity and you seized it. I like yes. it. You know, I, I talk to a lot of entrepreneurs and one of the things they, they know, like I need to create content um, where it doesn't even matter the business, right? Like yeah. I know I need to put out videos, but I don't like getting behind the the, the screen and those kind of things. Or mm. I don't know. It, it seems like that fear of getting behind the cameras is, is a fear. Uh, you, you got yes. any two cents on that? Yeah, I, I think that your desire for the result has to be greater than that fear. I feared that. Again, imposter syndrome. Who yeah. wants to listen to me? Who cares about what I say? That's what I used to tell myself. But my desire, I grew up I grew up poor. I didn't want that for my family. I have three kids. I'm married. I did not want that for my family. And I did not. I was not going to be denied. I was not going to be denied what, what I believed. And I'm a faith-based person. I believe that, that God had created this for me. Like this is, this is what God had created for me, like was to be an impact. And my personal vision statement was to lead a life of significance. And it was like, if I'm going to lead a life of, of significance, I have to be in front of people. I have to, people have to know who I am. They have to know who, what, what I say. I love the show Hamilton. I don't know if you're a Broadway person, but I love the show Hamilton because he says, I'm not throwing away my shot. Like, I'm not throwing away my shot. And I said, I don't care how uh, goofy I think I look, how I sound. I don't care what anybody's going to say. And people say mean stuff, especially on TikTok. Oh my gosh, it's really mean there. But I don't <laughs> care what people say. They don't pay my bills. Yeah, They don't take care of my family. They don't have the responsibility of legacy like I have. And so I didn't want to throw away my shot. And I said, this is the time. It, it, right now, if you're an entrepreneur and you're listening to this, this is the best time in the world, in the history of the world to launch your product and get rid of the fear that's holding you back. Because right now, if you have the guts to go out there and put your name out there and put and let people know who you are, you can literally create any life you want. And, and that is something that I wasn't willing to give up just because I thought I looked or sounded weird or goofy on a video. Wasn't willing to do that. Yeah, that's so good. And I love the fact that you brought in the imposter syndrome because uh, I, I post a good bit as well, but I, I'm exactly like what you said. Those first, I still don't even like getting behind it. Honestly, I don't. <laughs> but but here's, it was a mindset trick for me is that I'm kind of, I, I do what you do, right? I consult, I add value, all that, all that stuff to people. Mm -hmm. And what I found was whenever I was thinking too much like that, I had the focus on me, right? I was focused on me instead of the people that I was trying to add value to. So for the mindset shift for me was shifting my focus from myself 
it's actually trying to add value to other people. And anyway, that, and that's, that's huge. Kind of helped me as well. So that's yeah, I guess if you're, if you're thinking about the offering that you're giving to other people, then you would get out of your own way. Like get out of your, if you have something to offer, offer it. People want it. People want to see it and hear it. That's right. Um, I, I, you said that, uh, man, you, you guys have a, a huge, I know you do the consultancy right now, but you also have a huge law firm uh, that yeah. you have. And uh, how many people did you say were on your team? Uh, almost 200. 200. Yeah. Let me ask you this. All right. What yeah. is your biggest challenge yeah. of leading, leading a team like that? Um, having people, just the, the people. <laughs> <laughs> the people themselves are the biggest challenge. You know, the hardest part of any business is people. And it, the reason is because people are simultaneously predictable and unpredictable. Yeah. And at scale, they're super predictable. We know that most people are going to eat breakfast in the morning. They're going to eat lunch at 12 o'clock. They're going to want to leave at five o'clock. They're going to enjoy their, they're going to be looking forward to the weekends. But there's some, there's, there's this like un, unpredictable behavior that occurs when people don't get their way, when people feel like they're not, they're not given what they want or need. And so there's like this lack of predictability. And we are so, so infallible as human beings. Like we, we uh, don't even realize realize the subconscious things that make us behave in in awful ways towards people whether it's gossiping backbiting you know talking negatively about someone uh trying to hold people down like we we are just it takes a lot of restraint to be a good person and you and you would know that if you have kids right if you have kids you know that they are inherently not good good kids they you have to teach them to not be good kids i have a little baby and I tell her, give me a kiss. And she'll slap me across the face. Like we have to teach her like, no, baby, you can't, you can't slap me. You have to like, you know, if you don't want to give me a kiss, that's fine. But don't slap me across the face with your spoon that has a bunch of, uh, that has a bunch of yogurt on it. By the way, that's what happened this morning. I was leaving the house. It's like, give me a kiss, Emery. And she just slapped me across the face with a, with a spoon full of yogurt. Like you have to teach her like, no, you don't do that. And so inherently people are not good. And if they don't, if they don't uh, work on intentionally being good people, they're going to let their subconscious natural instincts take over. And that's the hardest part of dealing with people. And I always say that uh, being a business owner with this many people is emotionally traumatizing because you begin to love the people you work with. And I always say, I love my team, but the problem is that they don't always love me as much as I love them. And they're willing to give up a relationship that we've invested in. I mean, I, I have employees that have been here five, six years who just instantaneously leave. No notice, no, no care whatsoever yeah. for the relationship. They just see an opportunity instead of like having a conversation, they're just they're just gone. And that, that can be hurtful. So that's the hardest part of having such a big team. Yeah. That, that, you know, you, you, you touched on something I've been thinking a lot about, and that's what you just said there at the end, you pour into people and, and, and to serve people well, to serve the people on your team, well, you've got to get close to them, right? You got to get close. Yes. You got to allow them to get close, those kind of things. And, um, it's a high risk, high reward thing, right? It, it's mm -hmm. high reward because you invest in the life of other people, but it's, high risk too, because you open yourself up to be abused, used and accused or, or yeah. just eat out, you know? And so. I, I can't, I can't even tell you the amount of times that, you know, despite us trying to create the greatest culture that ever existed in a law firm, somebody accuses us of a toxic culture. And it's like, what are you, what are you talking about? Like we're doing everything we can. We're paying at the top of the salary band. We do breakfast every week. We do lunch every week. We provide five weeks. Like, how is this toxic? And it's really hurtful. And I had a mentor 
about 10 years ago say that the best things you can have in life are because of people, but the worst experiences that you will have in life are because of people, but don't let the worst experience keep you from the best experience. And I took that and I said, you know what, despite the disappointment and the heartache that I'm going to feel working with people, I'm still going to commit my life to serving people. And it's been hard. It's been hard, but it's been also satisfying when you develop a true bond with someone and it's, it's, it's meaningful. Yeah, that's, that's great advice. And kind of goes into the four agreements that you're talking about that one agreement you talked about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So Luis, I, I can tell that you talked about in 2020, you kind of saw where the market was going. You saw an opportunity. So I, I perceive that you are a very opportunistic person, right? Yes. I, I can perceive that. And, and, you know, this is, um, no right or wrong. We're, we're, we're only recording here. Right. <laughs> but, but where, where do you kind of see, um, where do you see opportunities coming? Maybe not, not ones that maybe they are ones you pursue. Maybe they're ones that you don't pursue, but where do you see upcoming opportunities over the next couple of years? I think, uh, personal brand is probably the greatest opportunity that people have right now is developing their personal brand. And the beauty of developing your personal brand, it's no different than creating marketing for a product. You're the product now, mm. whether you want to be an entrepreneur or not, if you're just an employee creating that personal brand where people believe that your reputation is a good one, that's the greatest asset that you have right now. You should be right now in every facet of your life and every place that you can, you can shout from be shouting who you are who you want to be so that people can start believing that. And if you build your personal brand, and I, I actually believe this, I think that, that people can become rich without being entrepreneurs. Mm. If they build their personal brand, if you build your personal brand of being a hard worker, ethical, integrity, character, and show up early, stay late, work really, really hard. There's an employer out there, me, somebody like me who will be willing to pay you a great amount of money. You know, one of the, the greatest things that, that, that I tell people is, I grew up in a, in a legal industry where I thought that the lawyers were the highest paid people in the firm. And, and they are for the most part. But now I run a law firm where I have multiples, almost a dozen of six-figure, multi-six-figure employees who are non-lawyers. Hmm. Multi-six-figure employees who are not lawyers because they, they just they didn't become lawyers. They're not entrepreneurs, but they're necessary. And they developed the brand of being someone who was integrity, rep, you know, reputation and so forth. So you can create the life that you want by, by developing your personal brand. That's the greatest opportunity that you have. But if you want to talk about something un, unrelated to personal brand, uh, technology is probably the greatest place. AI specifically, you know, chat GPTs out there. I think that there's going to be a lot of opportunity with chat GPT. If somebody can figure out a way to create operational efficiencies for, for a specific, uh, uh, uh you know, company, uh, niche or some some kind of product service niche that's going to be really really huge and somebody's going to do it in the next couple of years and become super rich yeah yeah <clears throat> that's amazing i was talking to a guy about that the other day and some of the things that he was doing with that is just <clears throat> mind-blowing but oh yeah, yeah. I, I knew i liked you man i, I like you. <laughs> you 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 actually articulated something way better than than i like to say it but one of the things i talk to people about and is that man just what you said, talent, people are looking for talent. Talent oh, yeah. isn't just sitting at the house and you can make yourself unforgettable. Right. And I, I, I look for talent everywhere. I'll be at the, at the airport, just, you know, watching the way that the people at the, the concession thing uh, interact right. with people. And those are great opportunities for people like that, that business professionals are through there all the time. And, yeah. um, 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. I totally agree. P- people don't realize that that everything they do in every area of their life, no matter where they are, there are other people watching you and you could, you could make or break your entire financial life by the decisions you're making. And so the better you make decisions, the more likely it is that someone will see you. And if they see you, that's the first part awareness and they like you, then they're likely going to trust you. And once you get there, then it's just, you know, all that's left is the shouting, as they say. Yeah, that's good. Um, one, one last question around that. You, you talked about building the personal brand. Where, where do you get, where do you see some of the best traction at uh, platform wise for somebody mm-hmm. who's, you know, they're wanting to start, start down that route. Where, where would you recommend? Right now it's TikTok. I think TikTok's the biggest place where you can be spending your time. I I've had three videos that have gone micro viral, you know, that you know, 50,000, 20,000, something like that. But I think that's the best place to to spend your time if you can add value. And value can be either through, you know, uh some sort of a teaching. So see people want to be educated or entertained. And it has to be done in a really good way. So TikTok is a really great place. Facebook Reels is really, really kicking it. Uh, my Facebook Reels right now, I just launched it not too long ago, over a thousand views, almost every single video. So like, that's a really good place. And, and again, you don't need millions of views. You need hundreds of views, maybe thousands of views with the per, with the right niche or with the, with the right group. If the right group of people hear you and see you, that's all that matters. So Facebook Reels is good. YouTube Shorts, also really, really good. And then the last thing is boosting everything. So making sure that you're boosting all your posts, $10, $20 to the extent that you can afford it. And if you can do that, that's going to get you a lot more traction. And I think I'm up to anywhere between all my platforms because I try to post between two and five times a day. So if you take all the five major platforms, uh, the work that we're doing, I'm getting somewhere around 80 to 90,000 views a day. And over time, that that's going to pay off. Yeah, just compounds, right? Compounds. That's right. That's yeah. great. Well, um, you and I were talking before we started recording that you've got a couple of books coming out this year. Uh, can you share a little bit about those? Yeah, yeah. So I I started writing a book uh, about my personal journey, and then I took a year off because I was like, <clears throat> it was so hard to read it, to edit it. I was having a hard time reading it and editing it. And so uh, I finally got got the courage to read it and edit it and, and, and put it out there. But the book's called It Has to Hurt. And it's essentially about my journey of overcoming a lot of difficulties and challenges in my life. Like I've gone through a lot of different things in my life that many people would have given up on and uh, I chose to persevere. And I just talk about how to overcome those challenging things because things are going to happen. And if you're living, life hurts. Um, You're going to lose relationships. You're going to lose a job. You're going to lose money. You're going to make bad decisions. And the question is not whether life hurts. It's 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 how do you move forward despite that? So that's that book's coming out May 30th. Really, really excited about that in my personal journey. And then my second book that I'm releasing, which will be my third published book, uh, is called Partnerships Suck, How to Prevent Business Divorce. Because so many people go into partnership and, and I want to explain to them what are the alignment points. Uh, there are 10 points of alignment that you and your partner need to have before you go into it. And what do you need to do once you're in it so that you make sure that you don't end it? And so that's going to be coming out in September. Really excited about that. Wow, that's awesome. Can you share one point or so with us? With the alignment? Yes, sir. Uh, yeah. So so uh, one of the points of alignment is alignment of, of ambition um, and making sure that you both share an equal uh, ambition. And I talk about a story when I was in my previous partnership where one of my partners would come in Monday through Thursday. 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. would be playing, you know, sports in the afternoon. Meanwhile, I was 
trying to work five days a week, 12 hours a day. Like we weren't aligned in ambition. And so it was frustrating me because I was, I felt like I was putting in more work than they were. And so you got to be aligned in ambition. So that's one of the points. Yeah, man, that's powerful. Uh, one of the biggest mistakes I have made in, in business was, was in a business partnership and, and, and our, our thing is a business that was going to work. We were good friends, but we did not have some of those tough conversations up front. Like, are we aligned mm-hmm. in ambition? And, and I'm sure a lot of the other things that you're, you're going to say, yeah. uh, but we didn't have those conversations up front and it, it you know, it did not last and, yep. uh, and ultimately lost a close friend, right? Like, yeah. I mean, we're, 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 we're friendly, um, but probably would never be able to, well, I wouldn't say that, but uh, we lost that close relationship that we did have. And, you know, yes. I hate that, you know, I, so. you know, I think about partnerships suck the book itself as a relationship book, because most partnerships are actually between friends, Yeah. Um, sometimes family, but, but a large majority are between friends. And what the reason I say it's a relationship book is because it's, it's essentially how to protect the relationship that morphed into a business. Mm-hmm. Um, because, because if you, if you lose the business, almost inevitably you will lose the relationship. And that's the worst thing that can happen in the world. My, my business partner today is my best friend. And we went through these alignment points because I wrote the book, uh, out of frustration of my last partnership and I kept it in the, in the cupboard, but I haven't done anything with it. And finally I've decided after seven years to release it. And, um, so now I'm, I'm going to release it, but we use this as part of our alignment po- po- post uh, or point, excuse me. And one of the things that's in there is having tough and transparent conversations. If you cannot have tough and transparent conversations, you are not aligned and you shouldn't get into a partnership. And that's one of the points. So, but you learned that firsthand. Yeah, that's, that's powerful. I wish I would have read your book earlier. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, that's great. Um, hey, hey, on on that book, uh, just a couple questions. Do you do you typically do your own self publishing? You go a publisher route, or or how do you typically write your books? So I've done a I've done uh, three different methods now. the The first method is I, I self published. Right? I say I self published, but my brother has a publishing company, and he helped me publish it. And um, and so we I went that route. My second book was through a company called Scribe, and they help you go through the whole process. And then my third book is actually going through a different publisher um, um, out of California. And so the, I've gone all three, but they're not, the, the third publisher is more like an editing company. They're going to edit and format the book and then, um, and then publish it for me. So I've gone all three routes just to see, I, I, I think that they, uh, they all work. It just depends on, on, on how you develop the concept, the material and how you want to get it out. At the end of the day, it's all about promotion. Doesn't matter how it's published or who publishes it. You promote it enough, people are going to find out about it. There you go. I like that. Yeah, and that, that's another thing that I, I I talk a lot of people about. They've got a book inside of them, but it's mm-hmm. another one of those. That it feels daunting to people yes. to, to write a book, and uh, it kind of keeps them on the sidelines a little bit. But um, I like what you said there that there's a lot of different options you could go down, which, whichever one that, that you really want to go with, go all in on it. Uh, yeah. It sounds like there was a, there was a time period where self-publishing meant that you didn't, you didn't have a book worth reading or people thought that they were like, ah, he's self-published it, you know, cause that was a connotation. It was like, he self-published this book. Like it's not a good book. That's not the case today. Today. It doesn't matter how you, how you publish it. Uh, there's so much people, there's so many people out there writing and creating content, you just got to get out there. You got to get, let people know about it. And man, with Amazon that you can, you can get it out there. 
you can promote it. And there it's, it's so powerful how you can get your book out there. Uh, my book has been, uh, I think I, I released it last September. The King of Growth was my very first book. And uh, it, it was essentially how to create personal financial freedom through your law firm. Because uh, I, I teach how to create a predictable business so that your business is like passive income. And in that in that book, I released it last September. I think we've gotten into the hands of about 3,000 people just in nine months. So, and I self-published it. Like it's, it's all about the promotion. Yeah. Yeah. That's good, man. I like that. Well, <clears throat> Luis, man, you have added a ton, a ton of value. And and I know that I love what you're doing. You're adding a lot of value to people all over the world and a bunch of different areas too. And I know there's probably somebody out there that's, that's listening. They want to know more about, Hey, where do I find, find some of your content? Where do I, yeah. How do I find out about the book? But if somebody was wanting to get in touch with you or follow you, where, where would be the best place for them to go to? Absolutely. So LuisScottJr.com. So L-U-I-S Scott, S-C-O-T-T-J-R.com. And you can find all my links there. You can find all my social media links, my posts, my podcasts, uh, links to my books and links to the consulting business as well. So you can find everything about me at LuisScottJr.com. LuisScottJr.com. We'll have that in the show notes below and uh, have some links to to some of your social media sites as well. And Luis, man, uh, you've added a ton, a ton of value today and I appreciate your time. And uh, thanks for coming on Principles with Corey and Logan today with us. Thanks, Corey. Appreciate it. Well, thank you guys for taking a listen. I know Luis added a ton of value to you. And if there was something that uh, stood out to you that you want us to pass along to him, make a comment below. We'll make sure to get that to him and uh, make sure you subscribe and share so you can stay up to date with any of the latest episodes of Principles with Corey and Logan. Hope you guys have a great day and God bless.